Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. People may not always see eye to eye with him, but they will always listen to his opinion. This is The Roy Green Show. Happy Easter. Today, I join Christians in Canada and around the world to celebrate Easter. Easter celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a time to look to the future with optimism and appreciate the present, whether it's by going to church, watching kids hunt for Easter eggs, or coming together around the table. Can't you just say it? Do you have to read it? Really, seriously. It's Easter, Prime Minister. Just say it. You know, the bunny, the Easter eggs, kids are happy, the religious aspect, the spiritual part of it, the going to church, the feeling and the caring. Just just say it. No, we had to read it. And when he read it, when the Prime Minister read it, it lost all significance and meaning because it just sounded like any other script. Today, as I present you with, you know, it's... It's just not good. Anyway, anyway, yesterday, before we went on the air, I had a conversation with my old friend Dan McTague. And I've known Dan, ooh, I guess this goes back to probably about 1992, 1993, during the Jean Chrétien first election victory time. And uh, I, I talked a lot with Dan in those days, and he was extremely critical of the fact that the prime minister, the new prime minister, Mr. Chrétien, had uh, in one swell foop decided that he wasn't going to follow through with his cornerstone election platform promise, and that was to dump the GST. You know, I told you, we're going to get rid of that, and that's that. I told you once, I told you twice, I'm not going to tell you a second time. So, I can't do that very long because it wrecks my throat. So, t- put him up. Put them up. So, uh, so I talked to that. Did you like that impression? Was that okay, Dan? I thought it wasn't bad. It was right up there with Jean from the days of past. But you know, I've, I, I've got to tell was. you, I got to tell you, you know, if that Preston Manning come back, I'm in, I'm coming back too. <laughs> Anyhow, so <laughs> so we had a lot of conversations on and off the air, and you were very very critical of the fact that Mr. Cretchen didn't follow through with the GST promise, and I know that cost you. And you've always been an outspoken guy. You've always said what's on your mind. You've kept. You've been a team player when you had to be, and 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 I think that you 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 do, you represented the people of your writing extremely well. I didn't agree with the policies of the government, which is no surprise. But you worked with John Chrétien. You worked with Paul Martin, probably better with Martin than with Chrétien. And then along comes Justin. Well, there were a couple of. There were a couple of intermediaries along the way, but, uh, you know, there are asterisks on the page of history, pages of history. Oh, hi, Michelle. Hello. <laughs> I'm an asterisk, too. I'm an asterisk, too. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Michelle Simpson. Nice, nice to hear from you, Dan. Hey, good to hear from you, Michelle. I was listening to you guys there, and it's uh, quite a quite an opportunity to, uh, to be here. I'll just leave. You guys talk. Yeah, well, you don't need me. 
What do you Michelle, need me for? <laughs> Michelle showed a real, real uh, chutzpah back uh, when it came to uh, putting out uh, our information as members of Parliament. As to she sure did. The tax money that we're spending. And, uh, you know, I give her full credit that uh, that took real, you know, guts to do what she did and uh, stood up against a lot of those who uh, just thought she was breaking the line and uh, not helping others. But it was the right thing to do. It was right then. And, of course, it turned out to be absolutely right today since everybody's following her leadership. Yeah, You know, uh, not everybody knows the story. A lot of people do, but not everybody knows the story. Michelle Simpson, as a liberal member of parliament and a rookie, decided that she had a responsibility to her constituents and Canadians everywhere and set the example for the other members of parliament. And so she posted her expenses online. And for that, she was dragged through the mud by her own party. She was punished by the, uh, by the party whip. She was Brought into the leader's office, it was one of the asterisks known as Ignatieff, and uh, he f- first tried to bribe Michelle, and then she was punished. And uh, she said, well, why don't you do what I do, the rest of you? And they said, no, you just stop being honest with Canadians. Those aren't, aren't the words they used, but might as well have. So so I had a conversation with Dan Mateg yesterday, and Dan I, I, I sort of th- I thought, and I said to you at the time, I said, we have to do this on the air. So last night I'm thinking, why the heck don't I talk to him about this? This is serious. It's, 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 it matters. It's a, a long-time, long-standing member of parliament who served with two prime ministers who has significant concerns about the current prime minister and the relationship you had with him and how you see this particular government of Mr. Trudeau performing and going forward. So one of the things that you, uh, when, when we had our conversation um, you you said to me that he has surrounded himself, Mr. Trudeau has, by yes men and hand and, and yes women, handpicked for their compliance, and uh, they're really not able to do what Trudeau talks about all the time, and that is represent the diversity within this country. Well, you know, it, it may sound sound uncharacteristic, or some would say, you know. Uh, this is the wrong way to approach your new colleagues. Uh, people give you the same opportunity when you were first member of parliament. But I mean, I have to uh, recognize what has happened now almost uh, three years into this, the mandate of this liberal government, uh, that members of parliament backbenchers um, aren't just silent when it comes to very controversial things. Those who do raise legitimate concerns, and here I'm thinking, of course, of proposed changes to uh, gun legislation. Uh, we've heard this earlier with concerns about the Prime Minister's antics in India, uh, where members of Parliament usually say, look, we are really the uh, the emblems of what's happening in writings. We need to speak out. We need to raise these things above all in caucus, behind closed doors. The fact that they are not able to do that, or they're excoriated for doing it, or worse, that you have the Prime Minister's own staff sitting in caucus is something I, I could never have fathomed. In my caucuses, uh, yes, we had Many times where I was on the wrong side of uh, what the majority there wanted, but I you know, stood my ground. Michelle did very much the same thing as you explained. But never did we have a situation where we'd have the staff of the prime minister coming in and taking notes. Um, this was sort of sacrosanct. No, we were elected never. members or senators. Is that intimidating? Never. Yes, it would Sorry. be. What's the message that is being sent by the party leader, in this case also the prime minister, when his senior staff, would that include Jerry Butts? Well, it would, and Katie Telford and uh, whoever else. I mean, I, I know these two to be, you know, the direct confidence of the, of the PM. But to my earlier point, which was that I've noticed when the Prime Minister made, of course, a selection of candidates, and Prime Ministers always have that sort of discretion, um, the, the selection was really based on people who, you know, uh, 
beyond inexperience, were most likely not to object to certain ideas that he had. Um, and we're not going to present a problem for him, either in caucus or on the floor of the House of Commons. I mean, the Liberal Party has always been a big tent. A lot of diversity, a lot of very different opinions from coast to coast, re- representing the truth, uh, thought diversity, not just cultural diversity, but thought diversity exists in Canada. It's not a monolith. But uh, it would appear that uh, either he can't handle, you know, uh, stress or pressure from people who might rival him in terms of thought or ideas or, you know, pre- presenting good positions. But what he has now is a caucus that's uh, really very compliant, very effete, it's very weak. Uh, and frankly, if, if his reputation takes a, a hit, as I believe it is now, there's no one there in the wings to replace him. There really is no one out there that they've cultivated. In our time, when Michelle was there, we always had other people. Maybe, maybe they weren't the greatest or best of leaders, but we always knew there was a succession plan. Our liberal succession plan has basically been made on one name, one name only. He's a rock star, he's a superstar, yeah. but what do we do after he's gone? The fact is the party could be very well back to where it was back in 2011. What was what, 30, about, about 38 seats? 32. 32. Yeah, I was number 34. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't quite as bad as the Conservatives in 93 when they went down to two seats. No, uh, and that's, you know, those are tectonic shifts that happen once every half century. Or so. yeah. But this here is clearly a, a, a grave concern, I think, for uh, us older veteran liberals who've been around for a long time, who've been in the trenches since we're 14 years of age, um, who've served uh, several uh, ministers, who've worked, uh, you know, uh, the hustings, uh, who served several terms. I mean, there is a real disconnect. Uh, all the marbles, all the we we put all our marbles in one simple bag, and uh, it's clear that uh, if this fellow can't handle it, um, it's going to bring a whole you know, card house of cards down. I think that's my concern is that the Liberal Party may uh, may not survive um, the departure of Justin Trudeau at some point down the road. There is no succession plan, and uh, it won't be a question about or the king is dead long live the king. Okay, we're going to have to stop here for a second. We'll come back. We'll talk to uh, Michelle and more with Dan. And Dan sent me uh, um, an email this morning, and part of the email said that Justin Trudeau has an unserious mind, is given to selfies, socks, and sobbing. I'll talk with Mr. McTague and Ms. Simpson, who, of course, was Mr. Trudeau's seatmate at question period for a number of years when they were all in opposition with that 32-member caucus. That 32-member caucus in 2015 in the federal election, with, with, with about two or three weeks to go in the election campaign, they were still number three. They were behind. Uh, some polls had the New Democrats of Tom Mulcair in first place. Others had Stephen Harper's conservatives in first place. But Justin Trudeau's liberals were in third. And then he had a couple of – got to give, the, give him credit where credit is due. He did a pretty good job on a couple of the leaders' debates – and that seemed to sort of catapult him forward. So we'll come back with Dan McTague and Michelle Simpson and two liberal, two former liberal members of parliament who have concerns about the current leader and prime minister. I know somewhere Jerry Butts is madly taking notes and uh, Katie Telford is taking notes. She follows me on Twitter. Mr. Butts, I, I, I wonder, is it cost the same amount to move from Ottawa to Toronto as it does from Toronto to Ottawa? Is it less when you have to pay for it yourself? No, no. We'll come back. Stay with us. He's always up for a good debate. This is the Roy Green Show.
I'm on Twitter at the Roy Green Show and emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Quite a few emails coming in on our last hour segment on the bullying story that Don Goss told us from Edmonton, from the Edmonton Police Service, his experience there. A lot of comments on that and a lot of uh, concerns about workplace bullying and uh, one or two about Edmonton Police Service. Dan McTague, former Liberal Member of Parliament, 18 years. Michelle Simpson was a one-term Liberal Member of Parliament. What was your writing, Dan? Uh, there are several. Ontario writing was the original one. That was Pickering, all of Pickering, Ajax, and all of Whitby. Uh, the second one was Pickering, Ajax, Oxbridge, and I finally ended with Pickering, uh, uh, Scarborough East. Okay, and Michelle had the rest of the province. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, uh, what, what stands out to you about Mr. McTague? And um, and and I, I'm going to ask Dan about his relationship with Justin Trudeau in just a second. But what stands out to you about about Dan and you know just just what hap- was happening around him and maybe involving him heading toward 2015 when he he might have considered running again? Well, certainly, I, you know, I wasn't surprised um, because you're not allowed to ha- have your own head anymore in the party. You tow the party line. I thought it was bad before, but it's even worse. And uh, I could see that writing on the wall. In fact, Dan and I have since spoken, and I think we're both in the same boat. We still may be liberals, but I'm not a card-carrying liberal. No, exactly. Both of you. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty pathetic, uh, and it's sad because we had both been in the trenches for yeah. decades, yeah. and and not. I didn't think it's an age thing either because I uh, didn't think a lot of those that are within my within my bandwidth are still very much active and uh, very disappointed. Michelle, why didn't you run again? Well, uh, partly because of the way I was treated during that whole period when I posted my expenses. Mm -hmm. And um, I could basically see the writing on the wall that they, you know, were going to win or, you know, know, keep opposition, but that somehow the circle would be smaller and you'd have less input, not more. Dan, in your email, one of your emails to me this morning, you wrote, uh, Justin Trudeau has an unserious mind. What did you mean? Well, I don't think there's much in the way of uh, his performance as a leader that puts him in what one would think of him as a, a strong, effective leader who takes uh, matters seriously. And it, it isn't just a spectacle that we saw in his recent trip to India, but I think on many occasions uh, there's been a, you know, a litany of examples of where I think the Prime Minister either doesn't understand the seriousness of the decisions that he's making, uh, or and if he does, he's either receiving bad advice or he simply believes that uh, there's only one way of uh, proceeding with uh, leadership, and that's divide and conquer. Uh, I say I'm serious because I don't think he has the experience necessary to, to conduct, uh, you know, um, a way of approaching uh, issues across the country, the diversity of issues across the country that I think uh, has that as its, uh, as its origins or as its beginnings, the, the uh, interest in the unity of the country, to suggest, as he has done on many occasions, uh, and they may be slips of the tongue, words like people kind, uh, dismissing people who are having trouble making ends meet with respect to uh, fuel bills, hydro bills. Um, we've seen comments uh, that have come forward uh, where he seems to uh, you know, really only gravitate to one, one section of the political spectrum, and that's the far left. 
uh, I tend to think that uh, these, while these are important things, they are not the only things that govern a country. As a prime minister, my experience with them, including working with his father as a very young intern in the prime minister's office and for his housing minister during difficult times when we had 21 and 22 percent here, going back to 1981, 82, uh, or the prime ministers Martin or, or Kretzing, when faced with a problem, particularly you know uh, one that has a tendency not just to divide the country, but to divide your own caucus, the last thing you do is to try to take sides, ramrod people, threaten them, uh, and then, of course, uh, at the end of the day, assume that these are the only issues that, uh, by which to govern a country. Uh, and, I, you know, I guess I get the idea. You want to be a bit of a media star. You want to show your socks here. You want to come out there and make flippant remarks. But at the end of the day, uh, there are very serious problems facing this country, and uh, they're not made any less, uh, you know, uh, important than someone who trivializes these in the way in which he conducts himself. And I think it's unfortunate uh, my conclusion is that uh, this is a you know a very unserious prime minister uh, confronting very very important issues, uh, and either doesn't have the right stuff to handle it, or is being given bad advice as to how to handle it. Michelle, you sat with Mr. Trudeau in question period uh, on a daily basis as his seatmate. Do you agree fundamentally with what Dan just said? Oh yeah, we had a lot of sizzle and very little steak, and what he would bring into the house was local newspapers. And he would show me pictures of himself, you know, that were published in local papers down in his writing. And I used to think, and then he'd he'd race in and say, how are we voting? And I said, did you even read it? And so I, I agree wholeheartedly. He's got the personality, but it's that of a rock star. And you can't govern a country that way. So he would bring in he would bring in newspapers from his writing, and he would show you before question period. He would show you photographs, pictures of himself in those newspapers, and then he would say to you, "How are we voting?" Yeah, like, uh, and nine times out of ten, Dan will tell you they had a sheet that you know said this is the way we're going to be voting. So it was either a whip vote or it was a free vote. Uh But, you know, it was clear to me he hadn't spent any time looking at or researching what it was we were going to vote on. Okay, hold on. Hold that thought. We will come back with more about Mr. Trudeau from two former Liberal members of Parliament who are no longer even members of the Liberal Party. Dan McTague, Michelle Simpson, after this. But he never jumps to conclusions. This is the Roy Green Show. We passed upon the stairs. Spoken walls. Send your emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Twitter is at the Roy Green Show. Listen back to anything or download, if you choose, at RoyGreenShow.com on the web in the podcasts. And you can add your thoughts to mine in uh, to my posts. Back with Dan McTague, former Liberal Member of Parliament, 18 years. Michelle Simpson, former Liberal Member of Parliament, served for one term. Michael Ignatieff took care of that. <laughs> 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 I remember when he was the chosen one of the left-wing media. But, uh, look, one of the things that I've noticed, and 
I'd like you to speak to this. I don't see very many members of the Liberal government, and they have a majority, I don't see very many MPs ever answering questions, ever being out there and sharing their thoughts and giving their opinions. It seems like it's the same voices on, on a regular basis. And, and it's certain members from Mr. Trudeau's cabinet, and they seem to be his favorites, and they seem to – so the, the message almost appears to be rehearsed. It is. It's contrived. Um, unfortunately, Roy, members of Parliament, much quality as they may have, are not allowed to speak to the media unless they are first given uh, the green light by the centre, that is the Prime Minister's office. Uh, they uh, are not allowed to introduce bills. They are not allowed to really express uh, what is, uh, for, all, for many, uh, often areas that Parliament doesn't cover. Um, what you see now of members of Parliament who, unfortunately, are living up to the tradition of the former Purely Trudeau, who I had a lot of respect for, and I think uh, my colleague Michelle as well. Uh, but he did refer to many members of Parliament back then as being, you know, uh, nobody's fifty feet away from the House of Commons. Unfortunately, this this particular group of Liberal members of Parliament have nowhere near the capacity, let alone the ability, to speak out on important fundamental issues that may have been glossed over by other parties or by our own party itself. And as a result, uh, our party, our, our Parliament, is less for it. Uh, I, I passed three or four bills. I, yes, I was outspoken, but we were also very constructive. We were allowed to be so. Dissent isn't necessarily coming up against your own party. There are opportunities that you have to introduce bills, whether, in my case, the high-speed chase bill, the work I did on competition, dealing with uh, grocery, gasoline, pharmaceutical, pretty much every other merger that was out there, or whether it dealt with uh, the national organ donor uh, recognition. I and mean, these are small but important areas that years on were, were seen as areas where members of Parliament actually did have a role. And unfortunately, I think in this particular Parliament, perhaps more than other Parliaments preceding it, including even Stephen Harper's, which I thought was pretty hard on uh, and harsh on, on, on party discipline, uh, there is no role or voice for backbench members of Parliament. I think it's straining our system. And Michelle, doesn't that really weaken the Liberal Party? Does that not weaken the government if you don't have skilled people who are willing to stand up and say what they think? For example, when Mr. Trudeau was running into his daily difficulties in India, if there had been a, a few different voices within the Liberal Party, within the Liberal Caucus, who had been able to stand up and eloquently just defend the Prime Minister, or at least try to, or at least some, somehow redirect the message, but there was nothing. It was like, it was like silence from the benches and the stage managing by butts and the errors by Trudeau. And by the time it was done, an Indian journalist tells me on the air, a senior Indian journalist tells me on the air, when I ask him whether Trudeau has uh, essentially harmed the relationship or not done anything constructive for the relationship between India and Pakistan, or India and Canada, uh, what, he, tells, he answers with one word, absolutely. Well, I think... Part of the problem, and Dan could probably speak to this better, he, uh, Trudeau ended up with such a majority, and there's so many people jockeying for parliamentary secretary, for cabinet minister, hoping that one of their colleagues trips, that they're reluctant to speak out. It was a little easier in opposition, because I thought, what have you got to lose, you know? Uh, but these guys, and they don't, they, a lot of them have tin ears, as far as huh. I'm concerned. Dan never did. 
he was always willing to listen and to help out. But it, my my feeling is you get sloughed off, even yeah. by cabinet ministers. What scares me with all this, and Michelle is so correct, um, you know, the, I recall the first uh, caucus that uh, Kretzan led, and uh, well, he had a majority. It's very similar, con- you know, issues of trying to make everybody happy. He also faced two major uh, hurdles, and it would have tested either or any prime minister of any party, and that would have been the uh, test of losing the country over a referendum, which we came perilously close to doing, and the national finances, which were in absolute disarray. If either of those situations had uh, had presented themselves under the current prime minister, I, I I really do, in my bottom of my heart, concern myself with what the outcome would have been or mm-hmm. might be, yeah. because I don't think the current uh, leadership is capable of handling these kind of crises. You think uh, about you think about his father in 1980 in Montreal. He stood up in the Maurice Richard Arena, and he glared into the camera, and he dared Quebecers, and he said, "Votez non." And that was the first referendum on in, on Quebec yep. independence, and he told Quebecers, "You will vote no to this," and they did. Yep. It just concerns me that the quality of leadership has come to a point, and perhaps there is hope for Justin. Maybe he can change his mind, but not when he's looking to pick fights with organizations that don't happen to well, what's that you know, about? abide with his attestation, uh, with his views on the world, and uh, they are very one-sided. Is, is this the is this the real Justin Trudeau, the individual who says to uh, essentially says to um, practicing uh, Roman Catholics and people who who do not believe in uh, in uh, uh, what's one of the two terms? There's God, my my brain stopped working here. Yeah, uh, there's uh, not freedom of choice, pro choice, and and uh, and what's the other one? Come on, guys. Uh, is it, uh, is it assisted suicide? Or? No, no, it's, it's the idea about abortion or not. Uh, or Pro-life. Yeah, pro-life, that's yeah. it. So yeah. he, he, he makes the decision. It's funny, when, when a term is right, it's just gone, it, and it's not coming back. You have to have, thank you, Lisa, for helping me. Um, he, he makes the decision, and he does it publicly, that if you have a pro-life point of view as an organization, no matter how successful you may have been, no matter how much good you may have done in providing summer employment, if you do not tick the right boxes, you are receiving no money from the federal government of Canada. It's not his money. Well, it's It's, a punitive move. It's an affront, Roy. It's an absolute affront to challenge people on their beliefs. More to say that you don't want those people in your caucus, which is your, your prerogative. But let's understand what it means to be pro-choice and be pro-life. I know a lot of pro-choicers who were upset with this decision. So it's it's totally counterproductive. Has nothing to do with the significant and very deep divisions that exist on this line. But if you're going to take sides on something like this, that is another demonstration of how unserious and how unprepared you are as a leader. Um, you know, I I confronted very much the same thing. Thankfully, my wife pulled me back from the brink. Didn't want me to run in 2011, but that was presented to me. Uh, if you want to run again, you have to. Uh, swear that you were no longer pro-life. This comes from uh, you know, a, a, a fellow, a, a leader of a party, who in my, in my time had never really done anything to uh, merit uh, the leadership uh, except the fact that he was running in his dad's name. But that may sound disingenuous. What I think concerned most of us at the time uh, was the fact that you had people who, in the Liberal Party, represented all sides of any issue and could very well be on one side based on their views, based on their beliefs, uh, atheists, religious, Muslim, Sikh, 
uh, Hindu, it didn't really matter. Um, we all had very different reasons to approach an issue, but we always tried to find a common ground. That was mm-hmm. the genius of the Liberal Party, is that we always represent the center. We found a way to work and cooperate. And so guys like me who were pro-life worked their buns off to try to save the lives of Canadians abroad, which I did as a parliamentary secretary, tasked as Privy Council with the duty of saving the lives of Canadians abroad. I brought in legislation to help uh, improve organ donation in this country and to provide money for people in energy rebates to help the poorest of the poor manage the very difficult times when fuel was going up. That, to me, was the essence of being pro-life, not you support abortion, you do not support abortion if you don't get the hell out of my party. Worse, if you're an organization in this country, you have no right to the taxes to be spent on an organization because of your beliefs. To me, that's a fundamental bastardization of our Constitution and our charter rights. For a, for a party leader... I don't care whether it's Trudeau or Scheer or Singh or, uh, well, you know, Elizabeth May doesn't, I, I, I don't know what to say. But for, for a party leader to say to a, to a former MP or to anyone with, with profile who they would normally love to have run for them because they have a good chance of uh, winning their riding, to, to say, well, here, here's the stipulation, buddy. You're either going to fall in line with what I consider to be the f- philosophies in the belief system, or you're out. So if you're pro-life, and I'm not, uh, you better change what you are, or forget about running for us. Crescent yeah. didn't do that. Martin didn't do that, and, and uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau actually encouraged people who were in his caucus. I think guys like even his own whip, a guy named Charlie Turner at the time, Choo Choo Char- Charlie, to refer to him as. I, my, my, my history in the Liberal Party goes back that far, uh, who stood up and said, no, I can't vote for this. And Trudeau said, fine, you sit aside, you vote what you have to do. I understand that. Uh, but uh, not this sort of down, you know, dictatorial, arbitrary view of the world that, uh, you know, only one side counts here. Again, his, his failure to understand and to grasp this explains why he's in very serious trouble. And it is certainly the product of an unserious mind that I think is uh, likely to cause a lot more Canadians to pay more ch- attention as we head to the next federal election. Unfortunately, as okay, a non-caring I, liberal party, uh, party member, I'm, I'm very concerned for the future of the party. I, I know you both well. And uh, so when, when I had a conversation yesterday with Dan, it was natural to take it to the air because it's important when you have somebody who had a really significant role to play in the party and it was an 18-year member of parliament uh, and, and challenged prime ministers and uh, kicked them in the backside when they needed it and got punished for it, but didn't back off, um, it was important for me to bring this to air. So who's the person I ask as well as Michelle Simpson? Because Michelle is with us each Saturday on Beauties and the Beast. She's outspoken. She she hasn't got a, uh, a, a politically uh, um, sort of focused, um, this party-only point of view. She's very objective about the whole thing. So I wanted to talk to the two of you. Now, if I were to reach out to other members of, former members of the Liberal Party or former members of Parliament... Do you think that there would be, uh, it would be simple to pull together 20, 30 people who would have been previous members of, of the Liberal Party, previous members of Parliament, previous members of government, who would have the same points of view as you two? I think it would be tough, don't you, Dan? Yeah, I, you know, now. not everybody is still within, you know, the bandwidth of discussing their former careers, and uh, many have simply moved on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. But I would think a lot of people certainly wouldn't object. In other words, I think many people would. Uh, I think a good number of people I've spoken to are, are realize there is a problem, okay. and it won't be made any better by you know saying basically we can only work with the forty undercrowd. 
Now, let me take a break. We'll come back and we'll ask Mr. McTagan, Ms. Simpson, where they think things will go next year in, uh, in the federal election, certainly. Polling has shown, and particularly the polling that was done for Global News by Ipsos just a couple of weeks ago, shows another drop in popularity for Prime Minister Trudeau's party. And uh, if an election had been held two weeks ago and the poll came out, it would have meant a conservative party victory and the liberals would be in opposition. Might have been a minority government, but it certainly would not have been a liberal government if the election had been held on that day two weeks ago. We'll come right back. Looking for the truth and not worried about rattling some cages to get at it. This is The Roy Green Show. I'll be more than happy. In fact, I would love to speak with Mr. Trudeau. He's the only one of the last seven prime ministers who's refused to appear on this program. The only one of the last seven who's refused to appear on this program. And I guarantee you Jean Chrétien and Paul Martin were exactly in my tent. But we got along okay, enough, along enough, well enough, that we could do an interview for an hour or two and take calls. Dan McTague, former Liberal Member of Parliament, Michelle Simpson, former Liberal Member of Parliament. We have a, we have a Prime Minister with, with ethics violations called on him by the, by the Parliamentary Ethics Commissioner, and now we find out that he accepted a gift from Uncle K and gave Uncle K another gift. There was, now there's, he's saying it's an overnight bag. Uh, I will not dishonor the, the Aga Khan, but if it were anybody else, I'd be asking what was in the bag. But, um, Dan, do you, think, do you think that he has a realistic chance, a realistic chance, of forming another majority government next year? <laughs> That's so hard to say. I, you know, it's the first term. Everyone's going to give you a, another kick at the can. But I think a lot of people are paying a lot more attention than they did in 2015 when it was uh, the move. The everything was ripe with we need a new face and a new type of politics, which of course is really the song of everybody who is new and fresh. But I, uh, I wouldn't bet a farm, my farm, on you know uh, him winning another term. But uh, minority certainly looks at this point to be a, a definite certainty. I would also think that. Uh, there's probably little in the way of uh, any change uh, that's coming. These guys are going to damn the torpedoes. Perhaps they could steal a page from uh, Premier Kathleen Wynne and spend their way out of the problem and throw money at people. Apparently, the last poll shows that that works. People are uh, able to change the way they feel about somebody if they believe that they can get all sorts of goodies flying from the you know from the from the heavens. Uh, not thinking, of course, the consequences of who's having to pay for it. Mm-hmm. But let's be blunt about this: the country is not looking at uh, you know a great promising economic future it's a lot of hardship lies ahead and in that context uh, i'm not sure that people are going to see this as the right his policies as the right approach okay. if there's any policies at all michelle what do you think the what do you think is going to happen next october oh i've given up trying to predict but if um i don't think the ndp pose any kind of threat um their leader has gained no traction mm-hmm. Uh, their new leader, and it, it basically falls to Andrew Scheer, the conservative, how he can perform. That's tough. That uh, if you're the only party on the left and center left, it's tough. It's tough not to win. Yeah, exactly. It's tough not to win. Now I want to say this to uh, Premier Wynne. We talked yesterday about buying votes and 
I can be bought, Premier. It's called a 2019 Corvette ZR1. <laughs> it's $118,000, but with the with the options that I want, it's more like 130. And uh, so, if you if if that car is in my driveway in the next couple of mornings, you're going to notice a completely different approach on the air for me. <laughs> I'll take a Tesla. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Now, for God's sake, don't put it there. <laughs> There's this, thank you both for joining us on uh, on this issue again. When I spoke with Dan yesterday, it just seemed like something we should do. When when he spoke so forcefully and so strongly about his concerns about Mr. Trudeau and Michelle, then uh, you decided, uh, thankfully, to uh, to join us as well because uh, it's it's always great to have the two of you with on with me on air, whether we're doing it with Beauties and the Beast or here today on this. Thanks so much. Great Thank to be here. Thank you, Roy. Take Bye care. Michelle. Thanks again, Roy. All the best, gas buddy. Bye. <laughs> You're right. Bye, Michelle. <laughs> right. Next time we talk to Dan, I'm sure it'll be about uh, fuel prices. It is a, uh, it's a major, major decision that we're going to make. More so even than 2015, I think. Whether or not you'll make, I know how I'm going to vote, but it's a decision you're going to make. Now, there's always the chance that the conservatives will do something to kick me right out of their tent. But more than likely not. You know that. I'm not going to lie to you. But I have voted liberal in the past. I've never voted NDP, and I probably won't. But uh, it's a major decision that we're going to have to make, and the polling doesn't look particularly favorable toward Mr. Trudeau, nor should it. His performance has been subpar at best. And the ethics violations are a particular issue, a particular problem. And the uh, eulogy for Fidel Castro, I mean, we could go on and on and on. This is a long, long list in just two years. We'll come back and tell you about the next hour right after this.